The word of the Lord says to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us to stand and to resist him. This is in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. But to stand and to resist him, 1 Peter 5, 8, right? So we do this. We, we don't allow the enemy to have his ways. We stand, we, we, we recognize the devil's tactics, and we say, no, absolutely not. We will be sober, sober-minded. We will be vigilant, amen? And we will do the will of God, amen? amen. So in Luke chapter 4, we, right after Jesus um, had the 40 days of fasting and 40 days of being tempted by the tempter, right? Um, it says in verse 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation. We're talking about the son of God, church. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Are we all there in verse 13 of chapter 4? Luke 4, 13? He departed until a more opportune time. This is exactly what the devil does. He leaves until a more opportune time. But we must be sober. We must be vigilant. Amen? We must actually walk out 1 Peter 5. We must walk out 1 Peter 5 because we know that just because he comes to tempt doesn't mean that he stops just because you decided to resist him that one time. He does. He has to flee, but we know he comes back around. What did the word just got done say? That a more opportune time, right? Okay, so a more opportune time. I want you to remember that. Let's move on. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in power, in the power of the Spirit. In other words, he was in the wilderness for 40 days not eating, and he returns in power. So that doesn't make sense in the natural, that you would go for 40 days without eating, but yet you return in power. In the natural, that doesn't make sense, but we don't live in the natural. We are supernatural. There is a supernatural power that comes about us when we commit our lives to him, when we submit our day and our every day to him. So we see here Jesus walking in a supernatural power. It just said it, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding regions. So everybody is talking about Jesus. They're all talking about this man, Christ Jesus. And verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So here, here he is, he's teaching. In the synagogues, people are listening, and they're in awe of the things that he is saying. So he came to Nazareth at where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus reading these words that were already spoken in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. God is with you. Amen? Because he has anointed me, he's anointed you. The anointing will cause you to, the anointing will cause you to preach the gospel. So he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, you got to see this. Jesus is in the synagogue, and he, is, he's been, he was handed the scroll, and he's reading this portion. This is not the full, uh, this is not all of what was in Isaiah 61. It's just a small portion, you know, repeated here. Um, he's here talking about, he's, he's talking about Jesus coming, right? He is saying the first coming of Christ, and then he's talking about the second coming of Christ in the rest of Isaiah 61, referring to the second coming of Christ. But you've got to understand something. He's saying this about the first coming of Christ, what he's doing, and he, we know that when he came, he's certainly setting the captives free. He's, do, he's done this, right? Heal the sick. He's done, continues to do this, right? But you've got to remember something. He's teaching and he's speaking in the synagogues, and we know in the synagogue, and we know in the synagogue, there were the Jew, Jews were there, right? And they don't believe that Jesus already came. Okay, so here he's saying all this, and he goes to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you ever wonder why he stops right there? Because it says here in verse 20, then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Well, let's just go over Isaiah 61 real quick. And let's see some of what he did not read on that day. Verse 2 of Isaiah 61 says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Remember that's the last thing we read in, in, in Luke 4? Do you guys remember that? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Look at it in Isaiah 61. This is what he was reading from. He was not reading from Luke. He was reading from Isaiah 61. Okay? So in verse 2, it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, comma, it's not a period. He stops mid-sentence, and he closes the book, and he gives it to the attendant, and he sat down. Think about that for a moment. Okay, the rest of what he did not read, it says the day of vengeance of our God. Okay, now we're talking about the second coming. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, garment of praise, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified that they may rebuild old ruins and shall rise up the former desolations. They shall be uh, repair the ruined cities, desolation of many de generations. goes on and on and on. And then in verse 8, for I, the Lord, I love justice. I hate robbery. goes on and says, I will make with them an everlasting covenant. The descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and the offspring upon their people who see. And it says, all who see them shall acknowledge them. Look at what he is saying. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And as the earth brings forth its bud, the gardens cause the things that are sown into the spring of the earth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise, to spring, before, to, to spring forth before all the nations. So here now, he's talking about in that rest of the Isaiah 61, the second coming of the Lord. So he's kind of like just sprinkling some of that in there. He's talking about the first coming and then the second coming. But he stopped mid-sentence when he read it, although it, it, was a, it was a comma, not even a period, and he stopped right there and he just closed the book and he gave it to, his, to the attendants, right? 
Well, let's keep reading. Let's, let's see if we can understand why. Verse 21, back to Luke 4. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, remember, Jesus was raised. They, they knew his father. They knew his father. They knew his father was Joseph, you know, the carpenter. They, they watched him grow. These are people that are older than him. He's in the synagogue, and he's reading from Isaiah 61, decides to stop half midstream and turns and gives the book back over, the scrolls back over to the attendants, right? And then he says, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. What is he saying? But I am he. What is he saying? But I am the Messiah. You know that caused a turmoil. They probably couldn't believe their ears. They probably had a hard time believing what are you saying? It was good enough that you came and you read the scriptures, but now you're saying that you are God. Basically, that's what you're saying. Yes, that is what he's saying. So all bore witness to him, and they marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They marveled at this point in time, but look how quick it changes. They marveled at, at, his, at what he knew. They marveled at his understanding of the scriptures. They marveled at how could this man know what he knows. They marveled. See, the anointing on your life will cause you to, to say things, know things that others would not even know. But remember, it says that he was anointed to preach, anointed to heal. The anointing on your lives will cause you to walk in a, in a realm of God's glory that is far greater than the average. They were, at this point, marveling at what they were hearing. They're like, wow, how does this person know all of this? So they all bore, they all bore witness to him, verse 22, and they marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? You can just see the inner turmoil. Like, wow, how do you know all this? Wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? Wow, how do you know this? I, but we saw you as you were raised up, though, right? And he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. And I love this because there was no way for him to know this other than that he was a prophet and the son of God, right? He says, you will, you will surely say this to me. Physician, heal yourself. And if you guys know the word of God, we know that this did come to pass, right? Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And then he says, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Oh, wow. Are we going, are we going quick? Is this story turning pretty quick? Right? Can you see him totally steering this conversation in the way that he was planning it to go? They're like, oh, you're so good. Wow, we are marveling. But wait a minute, aren't you Joseph's son? You know, and now all of a sudden he says, there's no prophet accepted in, in his own country. And he says, but I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. Now, I'm sure they're going, wait a minute, you weren't born yet. How would you know? Like, okay, you read it. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like they were probably already thinking, you're going somewhere that's making us all nervous. But I tell you the truth. He says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. 
but none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So here, what he is saying is, the Lord didn't go to anybody except for this Gentile woman. Who was set free but a Gentile woman? Not those that were of, not, not those that were Jewish. He's talking to Jewish people. They're getting offended. Okay, if you don't know where, what I'm trying to say here, they're getting offended. <laughs> I reread that. I will reread that, verse 26. He says, you know, there's a great famine in the land, but to none of them Elijah was sent. In other words, there was a famine in the land. Well, Elijah could have been sent to all these different people, but no, he wasn't. Instead, he was sent to this, to this Gentile woman. He wasn't sent to somebody that should have known better, right? He, 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 sent, he was sent to somebody who didn't yet believe in the Lord. So they're going, they're getting offended because we already know how they feel about this, right? Gentiles and Jews, it's like, you know, they despised them, right? So, but then he doesn't stop there. Verse 27, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian, which is also a Gentile. So he's saying, listen, you guys are having a hard time understanding what I'm saying. I'm going to add this part. I'm going to add my interjection in here. Why did he stop midstream? Why did he not finish? Because they couldn't handle the truth. They, he already could see that they couldn't handle what he was reading, that he, they couldn't accept that which he was bringing. And then he said, ah, in your hearing today, this is being fulfilled. They couldn't even accept it. So they're like, if you can't accept that I'm telling you I'm the Messiah, that I've already come, you're looking at him. Why would I keep on going on? We don't throw our pearls to the swine. Right. right? And so this is something that we definitely can take and, and apply in our own lives. Just because you know something doesn't mean that you need to say it all. When you know that it's falling on deaf ears, you need to be able to hear the Spirit of the Lord. And when he says stop, even if it's mid-sentence, stop. Right? So he says, yeah, they, he, they were sent, these two, these two men, Elijah and Elisha, they were sent to, to Gentile people who the Jews despised. And then verse 28, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. They were filled with wrath. A few scriptures ahead, they marveled. Now they're filled with wrath. They couldn't stand what he was saying because basically he's saying, listen, you guys were so unspiritual that the Lord had to go and send the man of God to somebody that maybe did not know who the Lord was but was open in their spirit to receiving the truth. You guys are so full of self-righteous pride, you can't hear the truth even when it's being presented to you. And that's still true today. Even when it's being presented to them, they can't hear the truth because there's too much self-righteous pride that they're being filled with, right? But God always has his remnant, and he always has people that he has set aside. He has his remnant set aside, and he has people that are hungry and that God is calling them into the sheepfold. And that would be of true of the, of the Gentile people, right? So it doesn't even stop there. It gets... It gets pretty crazy. Like if you envision here these next two verses, verse 29, it says, and they rose up 
to thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill, which was on the city, which was the city that was built, and they, that they might throw him over the cliff. So basically what they do is they get up and they are all escorting, pushing him outside because they're in the synagogue. He's reading. And now they're pushing him. Can you imagine a whole group of people? And they're all like basically pushing him, walking, walking, and till they get to the edge of the cliff. Their anger, they were filled with rage. Why were they filled with rage? Because they couldn't humble themselves. They couldn't humble themselves to hear the truth. Right? And they were so stuck on their what they thought was true that they could absolutely not be wrong. They were not willing to hear anything other than what they thought was true. And so they're filled with rage. A few minutes ago, they were marveling. Wow, how do you know all this stuff? Wow, how do you know all this stuff? Now they're filled with rage. They're, they're at the edge of the cliff. They're about ready to throw him over. And look what happens. The power of God fell. That's what happens. Because if, when you read this next scripture, it says Jesus walked away. That's not a natural response. If they're, all, if they're filled with rage and they're, they have you at the edge of a cliff and all now is needed is just one more push, but yet God wouldn't allow it. Because he didn't send Jesus Christ, the son of God, to be thrown over a cliff to fall to his death. That was not the will of God. And so when you follow after the will of God, no matter how many people are filled with rage, no matter how many people are in opposition to what you are saying or doing, if you just keep your heart right before the Lord, and if you just continue to do the will of God, if God has to arrest them in a state of paralyzation, which is what I believe happened to these men, because all of a sudden they were filled with rage and they pushed them all the way to the edge of the cliff, but they forgot to push them over, really? No, it was the power of God that settled upon on these people and Jesus just walked away he just walked away we have to believe and understand that what I'm reading here today from the Word of God that this is applicable to our lives too and that no matter when you find yourself in a, in a desperate situation and you need the power of God to just step in, if you just keep your heart right before the Lord he will do whatever is necessary he will do whatever is needed, but I'll tell you, he will cause you to go free. He will cause you to walk on high hills. He will cause you to have hinds feet in high places. He will cause you to be elevated, to go through breakthrough walls if you need. Come on, church. We are going to walk through walls when we return with Christ, right? Amen. We're going to have a glorified body, right? So these are the things that we, but even for now, God's going to cause supernatural things to happen in your lives. I find this story very interesting, very intriguing myself, because it's like, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, came with a mission that, yes, he was going to die and, of course, rise again, but that death was not at somebody's hands of pushing him, but of his own free will. I commit my spirit into your hands, right? Nonetheless, Lord, I commit my spirit into your hands. Every time man tries to uh, have their way in your life that's contrary to the word, you have to stand in faith and say, no, this is not the will of God, and I believe God for a mighty move. I believe God for a mighty move. His hand is not, his arm is not too short that he cannot save. 
His arm is not too short. His arm is not too short. It can, that it cannot save, right? Amen? This is what the Bible teaches us. So in any area of your life that you go, yeah, but this is such a big deal, and I don't know, yeah, right there, you need to stop. Yeah, but this is so hard. Right there, you need to, you need to catch yourself. And you need to say, no, nothing is impossible for those who believe. You need to say, you know, I serve the God that, uh, that, that makes the impossible things possible. All things are possible with God. All things are possible for those who believe. All, all things. And so we, have to, we, we must remember that even at, at that 11th hour, you know, um, the 1159th hour, when, when it would look like, oh, my goodness, it's over, it wasn't over. When it looks like it's over, it's not over. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. It's not over, and he will make a way in the wilderness. He made a way in the wilderness for Moses and for all of the Israelites. And he split the Red Sea, and that's unthinkable, unheard of, but yet he still made a way. He made a way, right? And he shut the lion's mouths when, in the lion's den. He made a way. He is the God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. So no matter how difficult a circumstance might be, just know that all it takes is the power of God to fall on that situation. And it won't be something that you can easily explain other than the power of God just hit that situation. And they went mute. They went weak. They just were frozen. And Jesus walked on by. He just walked on by. He wasn't struggling. He wasn't trying to get, get them off of him. He wasn't struggling. He just walked on by. And the same is true for you. If you have faith to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the power, Lord, in this word. Your word is power. It's full of power. And so, Lord, right now, Lord, put us in remembrance every time Lord, Lord, that the enemy would try to come against us. Lord, put us in remembrance. We will not be fooled. We will not take the bait. We are ambassadors of Christ. And as I started this message, I end with the same scripture. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary of the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Stand in the faith. So, Lord, my prayer for them is that they stand in the faith, that they resist the devil, that, Father, even as Jesus just came out of the 40 days of being tempted, and he was hungry, but he came out in power. And then all to find, as he's reading the word, the opposition to the point where they were filled with wrath. That wrath is like a spirit of very strong anger, like murder. Murder, filled with the spirit of murder, of which they actually almost murdered him, threw him over. But God... But God. So I decree that over them as well, that the but God in their lives, that they will not be taken away. They will not be stolen from. They will not be, they will not, they will not be lied to and, and, and literally just, just, um, just, just stolen from. Because, Lord, you are their Lord and Savior. And they're keeping their eyes on you. So we bless you and we thank you.
thank you for what you are doing. We say yes and amen. We delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. We delight ourselves in you, Father. There is so much joy that you give us. This joy is an overwhelming joy, and it just spills out. I see it spilling out. I see it spilling out of us. I see it spilling out right now over each one of you. Yeah, just lift your hands for a moment. Fill them with that overflowing joy. They heard the word of God, and the word of God does not return unto them void. Yep, so let that joy continue. Let the understanding of this word, let the, the application of this word, Lord, start to really minister to them and sink in deep. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.